0: thought about taking up a new sport a new hobby or maybe an instrument if you're an adult especially in middle age learning new things is essential to keeping the brain fit in this episode we speak with a neuroscientist who is trying to not only prove the use it or lose it theory but show us why keeping the body moving can also do our brains good i'm Audrey hamilton and this is speaking of psychology Tracy Shores is a distinguished professor in the Department of Psychology and Center for Collaborative Neuroscience at Rutgers University. As a neuroscientist, she investigates how the brain learns and remembers. And when it comes to the brain, she's discovering how important it is to use it or lose it. Welcome, Dr. Shores. Thank you. It's a pleasure to speak with you today. Your research focuses on something called neurogenesis. I have no idea. Can you explain what that means?
1: (laughs) Yes. um, Neurogenesis is the production of new neurons in the brain. And of course, neurons are the major cells in the brain that are used to communicate information. For many years, we didn't know that the brain continued to make new neurons after birth. However, about 10 or 15 years ago, it became clear that the brain does continue to produce these new neurons. And they're produced in a part of the brain known as the hippocampus. The hippocampus is involved in learning. So there's been a lot of work recently to show that these cells are involved in learning and are certainly affected by learning. Keeping our brains fit
0: seems to be a lot like exercising our bodies. Now you've found a way to combine mental and physical exercise. Can you talk about these exercises, also known as MAP training? You know, what does MAP stand for?
1: Sure. One of the things that's really interesting about these new neurons not only that that they exist in the first place, but they're also very responsive to conditions that people engage in, in everyday life. So for example, the cells are produced, more cells are produced in response to aerobic exercise. So if uh, this is a laboratory animal, a rat loves to run, and if it runs uh, continuously, it produces many more cells than it would uh, otherwise produce if it was sedentary. Hmm. We also know, though, that m- many of these cells, once they're born, they die. So the cells are generated, but then between two and three weeks after they're, be- they're born, most of them perish through a process called programmed cell death. So one of the things that my laboratory has been interested in, has been investigating for nearly a decade now, is the effect of learning on these new neurons. And basically what we find is that animals that are trained to learn something new keep the cells alive. If animals um, aren't trained to learn something new, or if they're trained and they don't learn, the cells continue to die. Hmm. So it really is an example of use it or lose it. So in the case of exercising your muscles, of course, you want to exercise your muscles to keep them, to maintain their presence. In the same way with these new neurons, if you learn something new, as long as it's challenging and you're successful at it, then the cells will survive. We've also determined that the cells, once they're rescued from death, they remain indefinitely. Mm -hmm. So basically they become, you know, so-called incorporated into the rest of your brain. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of wanted to take some of this information and and develop it into an intervention that could potentially help people. And so we devised this intervention. It's called MAP training because it stands for mental and physical training. And we've been providing this intervention to several populations. Essentially what happens is um, our participants engage in 30 minutes of aerobic exercise. And the idea is that we're increasing the number of new neurons in their brain during this process. And then they engage in 30 minutes of focused attention meditation. So as you probably know, meditation is a very effortful learning process. Mm -hmm. And we use a, um, a type of meditation where the participant sits in silence and counts their breath. One of the reasons many meditation practices use the breath is because it's always present, it's always changing, and it's always accessible. So the the participant starts counting their breath and then when thoughts interfere and they start thinking about the past or the present or worrying about some event, they are instructed to return back to the breath. So this is a skill. I don't know if you've ever done it, you know, mm-hmm. it's pretty difficult to yeah. do to main your, maintain your attention, but you can get better with practice. So we find in the uh, several populations that we've done this, that this combination of aerobic exercise and mental training through meditation enhances their overall physical health. So, for example, the amount of oxygen that they consume in their bodies increased significantly. Wow. We also find that their levels of depression are significantly reduced. Their levels of anxiety are significantly reduced. And uh, perhaps most importantly, or most uh, impressive, is the change in rumination. Mm. You know, Rumination is this process where someone repeats memories or goes over things from the past over and over. And women, in particular, are particularly inclined to ruminate about the past. And so one of the things that this this intervention seems to do is is lessen that tendency, and that makes people, you know, happier and more present in their lives.
0: We just mentioned uh, women and how they tend to ruminate more. You know, what has your research shown regarding how women and men learn? Do they
1: learn differently? They do learn differently. It's hard to make sweeping generalizations, partly because it's such a a volatile subject, yeah. I would say, <laughs> um, but there are some differences. You know, men tend to do better at spatial tasks. Women tend to do a little bit better in verbal-based tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, in laboratory animals, we see fairly striking differences. And I have to say, the good news for females is, is female rodents at least tend to learn better than males, <laughs> and <laughs> on many tasks. And one of the nice things is that then they rescue more of these new neurons. Yeah. I think the important thing about sex differences is to realize, though, that these are differences in the distribution. And so any in individual, obviously, we can't predict how well they would learn just based on mm-hmm. their gender. Yeah. But once we appreciate sex differences in learning or other cognitive processes, we can apply those to sex differences in mental illness, for example. So one of the things I've always been intrigued by and concerned uh, about is the tendency for women to express symptoms of depression mm-hmm. and PTSD and anxiety. And, and they do so much more than, than men typically do. Mm-hmm. And so some of these processes that we're learning about, these cognitive processes, like rumination, for example, might contribute to these sex differences. Mm-hmm. Can
0: you give me an example of something you do to keep your brain fit? Um, meditation, or we do you do brain exercises? I'm just curious as to how yeah. you take what you learn in your lab <laughs> yeah. and bring it out into your real life. <laughs> I mean, being a scientist actually is pretty challenging. I was going to say, that's one big brain exercise. It is a good <laughs> exercise, and it's
1: always changing, and you always have to learn new things, and it's always effortful. It requires a great deal of effort, so I feel lucky to have had such a interesting career I do like to exercise in particular exercises not just exercise alone but I like exercises that engage your mind somehow with activities like sports or dancing or something where you really have to think Mm -hmm. while you're exercising I do meditate I only started meditating about mm, seven or eight years ago you know I, I don't know if I could say I like it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> it's. I know it's useful and I find it interesting yeah. but it's also difficult yeah. So, I, I mentioned
0: if you're doing it well it takes a lot of effort it does yeah. and
1: you have to kind of make yourself I have, at least I find and I think a lot of people that meditate they, they have to make themselves do it mm. like I have to say okay now I'm going to meditate I feel like I'm not you know very centered or I feel like I'm really anxious and you have to make yourself sit I think yeah. the main thing that we I wrestle with as an older adult middle-aged to older adult is finding you know new ways to really challenge yourself I think as you get older you know you tend to go back to doing activities that you already have done maybe you travel to the same places or you do the same sports or you play the same music and I think you know we need as we get older and as young people too but particularly as we get older, to really try to break out of our habits and challenge our mind with new activities, even though they might be frustrating.
0: Hmm. Well, great. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Shores. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much. <laughs> to listen to more episodes, please go to our website, speakingofpsychology.org. With the American Psychological Association's Speaking of Psychology, I'm Audrey Hamilton.